Episode 48. Can't pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Clay, hello. How are we doing? Are you a feeling afraid? Am I feeling afraid? Are of you feeling afraid of missing out, missing out on this croissant that I've got? <laughs> uh, it does look like a pretty good croissant. Um, and I'm wondering if I should have got something similar. Yeah, I think because it's FOMO. Yeah, FOMO. Is, so that, is that what we're talking about today? We're talking so FOMO, about FOMO today. What the heck is FOMO? In fact, I was shocked to find out that my husband had no idea what FOMO was. So, right. you know. FOMO, the fear of missing out, ah. seems to be a prevalent disease these days. I was going to say, it's, you know, when we started, um, I mean, we mentioned it maybe a couple of weeks back to do a show on FOMO. Um, and I think there's always been like the status anxiety, but I don't remember the term FOMO, but it's been kicked around quite a lot recently um, on the internet and a lot of people doing TED Talks and have websites on it. So it's become a bigger You know what I like about thing. this actually? It's just come to my mind. But you know when we did this um this uh podcast on um consumption, like the consumer society and we had the what what was the um name of the disease of consumerism? Do you remember it's the name of the book? Um the name of Oh, it's gone right <laughs> out my head. Anyway, I find it interesting that we're starting to name kind of mental diseases that are not kind of actually mental health problems, but kind of common common problems that we have, but of the mind. Yeah. So it's interesting because that to me means that there's a growing recognition, as much as these things are kind of raising what we think of as kind of negative things, actually, the fact that we've recognized them as problematic mental states means yeah. that there's some kind of recognition in our society that's coming, that there can be a problem with the mind. It's hard to look at you because of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. Sorry, folks. I have a, a poor right eye and I'm staring at Sarah and she's talking and so weeping. intently. Actually. And, and I'm actually crying. You know, you, you, you had a really good moment. Because it was that moment, you know, I just finished watching The mm. Two Towers, and, you know, there's this, uh, it, there's so many moments. Is this going to throw you off at me wearing shades? No, it's okay. cool. But, you know, when you have, like, the tear that trickles down in the precise moment, I always see there, another <laughs> one goes. It's like the precise moment. We need to be capturing the sun. Sorry, film. I messed you all up. Where were you at? You were, I'm we're naming to be these, here. These, these, these things of the mind now. We're naming, naming them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... And I think there's an interrelationship from a number of podcasts we've done. We did the one on consumerism, so I think there's some a tie-in with the, the FOMO. There's a driver behind it, and we did the one on and we were talking about um, this sort of busy and not and how to not be so busy or why are we so busy? Um, and again, I think this sort of FOMO feeds this need to be productive, to be busy, to be doing something. And I think we had mentioned, and I think this this is. This idea of that when we're talking about the busyness is that you've always got to be doing something otherwise being seen as wasting time. But there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a, an element of FOMO that also, I think, pushes people to 
want to be doing something because they will fear that they'll miss out if they See, I kind of wonder whether this, I would really be interested to know whether extroverts suffer more from FOMO than introverts because... No, I would, I would, I would say maybe not. Maybe not. I think you're right. I think maybe not, but it would be interesting and it would be interesting to see how those two things kind of work together because for me, I feel like there's a lot of times that my introverted nature is like you know, quite strong and particularly at the moment. Cause my life is so social with my yeah. kids and stuff that I actually don't spend a lot of time. So it's almost like that balance is off for me. And if I was alone all day, I might need the more extroverted side, you know, to come out. But, um, yeah, I'm also, uh, I'm very, um, unaffected by FOMO most of the time. I have oh, yeah, to say, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, um, I'm like, look- yes, please let me miss out. <laughs> I want to miss out. Which I think is interesting in the sense of a miss out, where you're going to be in an environment from an introverted point of view to which, uh, you know, people towards have introversion they don't necessarily thrive in. But when I do work in that space, what I find is um, there's a, does my introversion leave me out of things? Yeah, or do I miss right. out on That's things? That's very true. Do yeah, I miss I out do on see that in getting the promotion? Well. Do I miss out on being invited to things? Because... If, because I have a preference for introversion, people think I'm shy and don't want to do those things. So they don't recognize that it just I, in, I process the outside world internally as opposed to externally. It's not that I'm shy. It's just that my energy is inwardly focused. So they, they miss out on oppor- opportunities. And I see that a lot in the workplace because they don't, they don't speak up. They don't offer their opinion because they prefer to think about it first and then they have no problem giving an opinion, but they prefer to reflect first and then give the re- opinion. But a lot of times... Yeah, and a lot of people just aren't quick on their feet. Like, I feel like no. I'm one of those people that I always think about what I wish I had said, yeah, you yeah. know, later. But, and then you got the, you know, the extroverts or extroversion um, and they think out loud. So their mouths are always running. So, you know, even though they haven't even really considered the issue, they'll be the ones that's talking and they're talking loud and they tend to get hurt. So, yeah, so I think, I think the FOMO thing will work on both sides. And I suppose from a, from a person high extroversion, their fear of missing out is that other people are somewhere else having a good time or, you know, yeah, you know there's I a think big there's, social gathering that they're missing out on. It seems like there's two realms in which this kind of fear of missing out really takes hold. And one is in the social realm mm. where it always seems like, you know, people are having a better time than you and you have this idea. I, I think that, you know, in this, I feel like is really driven by the social media yeah, these absolutely. days. And, you know, there's so many pictures on Facebook and so much tweeting and messaging and all this kind of stuff going on that you're very aware of what other people are doing or what you think other people's nights look like. That's the key, isn't it? What what they show you is what their lives like. And you think, well, how come my boring old life isn't like that? We've developed an idea of what a Friday night should look like and what a Saturday and Sunday should look like. And when our Saturdays and Sundays don't look like that every weekend... You know, then or all the different holidays that you're yeah. off on, or That's going right. to these different yeah. cultural events, or you know, all these things that. Or yeah. If you go into someone's social media feed, it would look like they live the life, and then yeah. you'll be reflecting on your life, which is yeah, get the kids ready for school, do this, do that, and cl- clean up this, that, and you know, all the 
all the day-to-day -day stuff that we got to do that nobody takes lots of pictures of and post on Facebook. Because you, you don't want to be reminded no, that you're doing it. You only see, the, you know, we only see the curated version of their lives, don't we? But it presents the case No matter that, how many times we hear that, though, yeah, absolutely. it's really hard to remember or believe. We, we kind of don't believe it. We still think on a subconscious level. But I then you know what? If you do start posting things like that, then people... You get backlash. Oh, I posting pictures of your breakfast or your laundry or you know your ordinary stuff. Like almost people don't want to see the ordinary stuff. Mm, yeah. Which I find is like I'm a big document documenter, and I like to capture just like micro moments or tiny moments of like even a picture of your half-eaten croissant I would, something like that. Or don't something. start looking at that because well, you are not getting it. <laughs> you, yeah. I, I, we see what you're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what I used to really like? You know, the, when you look at some of these old Polaroid pictures, and we might be going a little bit off topic there, but I like the snapshot. That's what I'm yeah. getting at. The snapshot that just captures the moment. There's no focus and no frame, and it's just like, bam, and capture that sort of um, the moment as it, as it is. And I do a lot of this sort of Lomo photography, which is quite cool on that. And did you know, because we're talking about FOMO and this aspect, and, there, and it's gone now, but it was a company called Beam. Um, Casey Neistat had founded it. And one of the reasons that he was trying to do it was to combat this curated show me all the great bits of, and basically you couldn't see what you were taking a picture of. You had to hold your phone up and it just took a picture of whatever it was pointed at. But you, you weren't able to see if, that hair was in place or not in place or, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then it immediately posted it, so you didn't have a, even get a chance to edit it. It's just once you took the picture, it was gone, which was great because you captured more true moments, I guess, in that sort of space. But, of course, it didn't take and it's folded, and it's back to our point that people <laughs> maybe don't want to see your less than stunning bits. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's something really relieving about that kind of thing as well but then I, I i do still think that you know there's so see if you think i think we're so used to our lives being as they are mm. it's hard to imagine what it was like before all the different tv shows before tv when things were a bit kind of calmer and kids were just playing in the streets and you didn't have all this information kind of overload coming in and all these ideas about what things should be like or what you should be doing. You probably still have FOMO, though. If, if you were in one part of town and we were wondering where everybody was at and they're probably off doing something that you weren't doing, I see on social media now you can see what they're doing because they'll be posting it, but maybe back before you couldn't see, so you still had FOMO, but you had no way of reaching out and I just I wonder whether it's become more prevalent now, though. Yeah, you know. I, I think wonder. yeah. I would. I would. I guess I would err on the side that it's become more prevalent because we can We've, see more. Whereas before, as I said, if we didn't have social media, then all it, right, they're not here, yeah. but I couldn't see what it is. But when you show me pictures of you in Cancun or you know having some great, fantastic five-star lunch, then it doesn't leave anything to my imagination because equally, back in the days, if you we weren't there, I could say, oh yeah, they're probably home doing some chores, and I would never know because. I couldn't see you. Um, yeah. I, they said there's like two two approaches to this. And if I sent you that video from School of Life, and 
Hey, they say there's a classical approach and there's a romantic approach to FOMO. And on the romantic approach is, is kind of where we've been talking about mostly now is that people are off doing all these great things. You know, the other side of the fence is greener than my side of the fence. And, you know, I need this car or that car, or a faster car, better computer. Um, I need to be connected on all these networks because everybody else. So it was all this, uh, the status trying to keep up with the sort of... Um, yeah, what the sort of status symbols are of the sort of of, of the moment, um, and in the classical sense of FOMO was that you so and this goes back to our busyness conversation that we're so busy doing daily life things or working that we're missing out on the things that we might deem that's important: spending time with family, spending time with friends. Um, going out and enjoying a sunset, that sort of thing. I don't, yeah, I agree with that, but I don't think that that's what people mean when they say that there's, you know, that they don't, that's not what they mean when they're talking about FOMO. Because if we realized that, then we wouldn't be suffering from FOMO, would we? But I, I, think, I, think, it, I think it is. And I'll tell you why. I think, and this is, I'm, I'm thinking about the people who are, you know, the sort of corporate sort of lifestyle. One of the things that causes a lot of angst and maybe anxiety um, is the fact that I am always working and I don't get a chance to do these things that I would like to do because I don't have time to do. So I feel right. like I'm missing out on life because my life is so tied up in being able, having to work all the time. So I, I think they, I think that's the suffrage and so people then maybe tend to look to change their life or they feel depressed because I feel trapped doing the job that I'm doing because I need the money but I'm also watching my life slip by not being able to do those things that I would rather do yeah yeah, yeah. totally I mean the other thing that we haven't really talked about in, in terms of the realms of where we suffer the most of fear of missing out is in like what you brought up at the beginning is in the workplace. So we've got all the social stuff going on, but then also, like you were saying at the beginning, we, there's also this massive fear because I think maybe it's because, you know, these days employment also moves really fast. So everything's about being fast. You know, people don't stay at jobs very long and you're expected to move around and you're expected or you have expectations to get promoted every few years and all this stuff you don't have that sense of kind of I'm happy where I am in the job that I've been doing for my whole life because that's how it works and that's how it is for everybody so Maybe it's that that drives it, but there is also, because there's so much technology coming in, there's so many emails coming in all the time, there is also that, feel, that aspect of FOMO that's about missing out on an important email or an important oppor business opportunity or missing out on the next big thing or, you know... Yeah, so, no, absolutely. Because yeah. the pace of technology moves so fast, exactly. Am I missing out on the... On the latest thing which that's, is that's out there. What, which is, I suppose, that aspect is the thing that makes it hard to leave our phones at home when we go for a run or, you know, just unplug and not check every time our phone dings or well, that's whatever. That's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know why do we feel compelled? And I know we're talking about FOMO. Is it, is it that that makes you, make people so 
but I have to have my phone and I have to be flicking through my Facebook news feed or my Instagram feed. Is that the driver that I'm missing out or is I it that I want to see what other people are up to? Yeah, or? I think I think there's two things and I don't for me it's not FOMO. First of all because no one's sending me important emails. <laughs> like I'm not waiting for important emails cuz you know, I'm not mm. important. <laughs> um and I'm not I waiting for that big from Macmillan to send no. that thing and say, hey, we were reading your book and now No, I don't want it, actually. I'm happy as to, uh, an independent. I'm going to give you, a, or, or that Hollywood producer that wants to buy the movie rights to your book. I don't experience FOMO <laughs> about that, I don't think. Maybe I should. Maybe yeah. that would, uh, so, you know, I think for me, what, what causes me to pick up my phone constantly is just boredom. Right. And an inability to kind of sit with a moment of boredom. I feel like, you know, oh, well, I'm here, you know. So it's, it's like our, our need to be constantly entertained. And that's a bit different Before than Before you had fear, your I, smartphone, what did you do in those same moments that you had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could just stand there. You could do anything. But I think that's like a different thing. That's not FOMO. But I mm. do think that there are some people who experience that aspect of technology with work where because the technology is there, they're expected to answer emails as soon as they come in, no matter what time of night. And so you develop a relationship with your technology that's based on this fear of missing out. Like you have to have it with you because any minute an, an important email might come through and someone will be expecting your response. And that creates a kind of constant level of adrenal, you know, it's this 24 activity. hour society idea. Again, yeah. That we're, yeah. And, you know, the expectation is. You've got an email. This is from the corporate side. And if I send one at 11 o'clock, then I sure better expect that as soon as your eyes open at six, 5 or 6 in the morning, you've answered Or maybe it. that you're still no working. You're still working and you've answered it back. And, you know, I remember working at one place, you know, the, the, the badge of courage is to see who sent their email out, like, the latest at yeah. night and on a Saturday or a Sunday at, you know, 11.30 at, at night. Um, but yeah, so. But then you know, Tim Ferriss was also. I was listening to his kind of podcast again, and uh, he was basically that. This was back in 2015, and when he was kind of thinking, should I get out of venture capitalist investment and stuff? And I think you know, whether we're like high flying business people or not, there is that aspect of the world. Whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're in a workplace and trying to advance in that workplace of feeling the need to constantly climb and feeling the need, like if you're not climbing, then you're not doing what you should be doing. You're not successful. And you're going to miss out. Yeah. And you're, and you're going to miss out. <laughs> you're yeah. going to miss out. Yeah. Let's take a quick break so I can dry my, my tears. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really and, emotional show. And you can grab another bite of that croissant before yeah, yeah. I, remember what you just said <laughs> i'm gonna grab well, a bite I'm saying. you better have it before uh. you look and it's not gonna be there you're listening to the havana cafe sessions podcast i'm clay low the havana cafe sessions podcast is a listener supported show which means it's brought to you by people like you if you pop over to havanacafesessions.co.uk and click on the contribute page you'll find a number of different ways you can contribute to the show if you care to do so. Leaving a review on iTunes, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with a friend are a few options. These are very valuable contributions, as is something 
monetary, like setting up a reoccurring payment or contributing a pound an episode. Any and all options are very much appreciated. Thank you so very much for those of you who have already done so, and thank you in advance for anybody that is considering doing so in the future. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. I didn't, you didn't, I'm surprised you haven't offered me any of that croissant, but that's all right. I, I feel like I am missing out. Um, you are missing out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that your FOMO is perfectly it's reasonable. perfectly reasonable. <laughs> there are several so croissants fear, upstairs. My fear is confirmed then, is it? Is, yeah. yeah, feel right. the fear. Cool. So as I was thinking and about get your own. this, um, the fear of or FOMO, uh, it made me think about uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. Um, and in this sort of outline of society and then in the, you know, where he lived that and then looking over to where the, you know, the high society folks lived. And I have sort of such a memory of that um, scene in The Great Gatsby where he's looking out over the water to the green light yeah. in the far, you know, and that, that whole feeling, which is exactly what you're saying, is that fear of missing out of like unattainable kind of... This is good. this is amazing, and whatever Gatsby's doing, it, at any moment, it's amazing. Yeah, it must yeah. be completely amazing. Yeah. And then that, from the School of Life's perspective, that's what the romantic FOMO would be. So you're, you're looking out over, you're looking at the green light over there, and seeing, you know, imagining what life must be like for those people where I'm on my side of the fence here, where life isn't so so great, and that their lives must be amazing. You know, like twenty four seven, and you, and speaking of that, I'm wondering if this idea of wealth does that create a sense of FOMO? So if I could just get enough, so if I had as much money as Bill Gates, then life would be so much different. And can I accumulate enough wealth so that I can? I enjoy? certainly think that this celebrity culture that we have and all of the. Uh, TV shows about celebrities, you know, all these, you know, Life of Paris Hilton and all, you know, mm. all these, I don't even know the people now. But um, it, I must feed it because, you know, I mean, and, and also quite fairly, the fact that our society is becoming much more stratified. I mean, there's a big difference between people in the lower middle class and middle class who are whose salaries are not growing yeah. and the people who seem to be get infinitesimally richer and it's like, well, it's hard to not feel yeah. FOMO in that way. That but then is there kind of a difference between jealousy and FOMO? Or what, what's the deal? Well, I would, well, I guess what I would see in my, in my head in terms of sort of jealous of something that you yeah, want to possess something that you have. Um, maybe a, that I can't get that anyway, so I'm jealous of it. So I would, I... I lust after whatever you is, but I know that I have no means of doing it, perhaps. And maybe FOMO is... Um, I feel like we must experience FOMO more in relation to our friends and the people who are kind of more around us, or maybe the, just the level above, like an attainable level, no? No, well, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the advertisements and things that we see kind of tying into what you're saying here. As you look at reality TV and the celebrityism and even just looking at the high, you know, looking at all the things that are available to be done and you need money to do those things um, 
and I am missing out if that's where my focus is to think all right how can I experience and, and we're made to think that that's experiencing life to the fullest so somehow yeah, I'm missing out because I don't have all those things that these people have or I might have a version I might have the poor man's version of that and I want to get this other one so that so that I know what it feels like to live life to its sort of fullest and max if you're basing you know the fullness off of the things that you possess and have yeah I mean I think the other thing that I see I mean so I guess my fear is not a fun feeling to have inside and so when you're naming something based on fear it's you know obviously going to be something that's uncomfortable and I think that uncomfortableness actually drives people to do things that they don't want to do I'm making a funny gesture because I know this thought and I should just get my notebook and write it down but you just made me think of Baloo the Bear from from Walt Disney's uh, Jungle Book and he's just singing a song, The Bear Necessities. And he says, don't spend your time looking for something that can't be found. If you find that you can live without it, then go along not thinking about it. So from a FOMO point of view, if you just throw that out of your mind and, there's, and not think about having other things, then, there's, then you don't have the fear. There's no fear because it's out of my head. Yeah, it's hard to just snap your fingers. Most of us don't have the ability <laughs> to become Baloo the Bear and snap our fingers, though. Do if we did, we would... Well, we, we have the ability, but it's not easy. I think it, it comes back to something maybe we've talked about before, and, and or maybe we haven't. I'm not sure. We talked about herd mentality. Yeah, a little bit. And wanting to be a part of the herd. See, I think it's sad. I think if you're a free thinker, then you don't... There is less of an issue with you saying, well... Yeah, but that's, you know, that's a really broad brush. And we all want to think that I I think that we're all hard thinkers in some ways and independent thinkers in others. And, you know, we all have areas where we can, we feel confident enough to kind of be the salmon that swims upstream. Versus nonconformist. Yeah, but, you know, this this is, well, but this is exactly (laughs) the thing, like (laughs) putting people in boxes in all aspects of their life, I think is a bit dubious. I think that, you know, these categories are helpful when you're thinking about a specific aspect of your life. Like, in this aspect, do I conform? Like, if I, if I talk about myself, if I was in school, I was conforming. Do you know what I mean? Because, number one, it was kind of easy for me. And, yeah, number two, I had all the kind of characteristics of somebody that wanted to please in that environment. In other areas of my life, I'm not as much a conformist. So I think I think that the, you can play around with these categories, but I think the fact that people, so many people are experiencing well, fear of missing out, in there's your, something to it. How would other people, how would, how would an external observer classify you in that point of view? Would they say you were a conformist or non-conformist just from their observation? Because you're right, in our head, we have these different modalities, but our behavior might say something else. I don't know. Because yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't trust my own judgment own of my people. outside appearance. Yeah, well, be interesting to have if someone that knew you really well, what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Do you suffer from FOMO? Do I suffer from FOMO? I would say that I've had, and I and I t- maybe I told you about when I went to the on the, the Camino and I had one of these sort of light bulb moments and I think I, I was suffering 
Here's where, here's what it was. So my my FOMO was around not around the materialistic stuff or what other people was doing, but that I wasn't out on the mountain every day climbing it and missing being connected with self and the oneness and you know all of that because I had to step out of that space to come and mess around with this mundane you know work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I was starting to see things like you know, having a young family and then having to go to work. And I was seeing all of that were things that were preventing me from doing, from connecting with life in the way that I wanted to connect with life, being out in nature and that sort of thing. So uh, I had that fear that I was, that life was passing me by and that I was never going to get an opportunity to be able to express myself in the fullness of who I am in the space that I was because... I had to step out of that to play and come play in another role. Um, and then that was causing a lot of internal issues. And then when I did that Camino, and I sort of just had a epiphany at some point in time, and there is that actually everything takes place in your mind, and that anything ever that I ever wanted was internal to begin with. So. I, I could find the same thing that I was saying or projecting onto the mountain just inside of my head. I didn't have to climb a, a, a mountain. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have to be doing any other thing. Everything was within. Um, and that changed things for me, as in I no longer externalized my sort of peace of mind, my oneness or any of that. I didn't externalize it anymore. It was held within. And once I had that epiphany then it was like it changed a lot for me yeah yeah because i say that i i and i think it's true i think that i don't really fear that fear of missing out like i see some of my friends really feel it so you know i i have friends who you know just people that you see in your life who are actually driven to do things that they almost don't want to do because of that fear of missing out. Like something amazing is going to happen at this party or some amazing thing is going to happen on this night out and it's going to be super fun. And even though I don't feel like going or even though I'm a bit under the weather or even though I've got some work that actually I probably need to do, I'm still going to go. Yeah. Um, and then the regret comes afterwards and all that stuff. And I don't really experience that aspect of FOMO but I think that where I have to say that I can relate to that feeling is with all the work stuff because for me having taken so much time kind of off quote unquote of my own career path to take care of my kids which has been like the best decision for me but there is that feeling that I think in some ways if I can keep it at a level it's a good motivator but I do have that feeling that if I'm not doing it now it's not going to happen yeah and you've said this before you know about that fear that well not the fear but that the re the realization that your future is uncertain and you don't know how much time you have here so I you know and I definitely feel like with my writing it was always on my mind if I didn't publish a novel then I would you know at my deathbed, I would be, be regretful. Like, <laughs> you know, that would be the thing Give that I really regretted. I have my last few breaths. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, oh, that, that is almost that fear of the regret 
that kind of drove me. And I feel like now I've kind of <laughs> I've checked that off the list. So it's okay now. Mm. But, uh, and now it, it's a little bit more like now it's just onward and upward doing the thing that I love to do. But I do come up against that thing where if I'm not doing it now, like now meaning in the week, yeah. I get real anxious or kind of grouchy. And underlying that is that that feeling like I'm not doing it, so I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, like I'm not doing it this week, so I'm not doing it at all. Yeah. And it's really hard to keep that perspective that you're not going to miss the boat, miss the chance to get into, for instance, for me, it's the independent publishing space. Like it's, it's exploding and being really vibrant right now. And now, I've, you know, it's always now, now's the time and next year will be too late. So, which may um, be the case, which is where the fear of missing out comes that's in. That's right. Right now, Mike, think of all the people who, um, you know, who, like even if you take like YouTube stars, for instance, a lot of the guys that are making their six figures off of YouTube were the people who got into YouTube when the rest of us were saying, why are you wasting your time on YouTube? So they were there when there wasn't anybody there and no, no one was paying attention. So they had the space. Now everybody else is like, dang, you can make six figures on YouTube, and they're trying to enter that space. And what they're finding is, actually, you can't do it so so hard because now it's oversaturated and everybody's trying to do it. So I think there is, I mean, there is. There's sometimes there are moments. But that is FOMO, isn't it? And that's like, if I don't do it now, will the market be the same? Will some other things change? But see, I think the thing is, is if you love doing something, Mm. it's you're never gonna miss the boat. Mm. You know, like. People who are wanting to make six figures off of a YouTube channel aren't doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they want to make six figures doing something. So yeah. their focus is on the money and on the fame, I would say, for the most part. Whereas or being able to do something that you're passionate about as opposed to, I don't have to do the traditional thing. So yeah, I think it's but I think it's, both, there's never, yeah. it's never too late yeah. to do that, to make... it's never too late to be an entrepreneur it's never you know people have been starting up their own businesses and all kinds of things forever but there is there is there is there is a life cycle of of things and this if we're talking tech and i was gonna and this segues nicely because one of my fomos is if i have one is on the tech so i always got to know what the latest (laughs) thing is and what's the latest gadgetry out so i need to be up on all of it um but in some of these things, there is a, there is kind of a, a, a life cycle. I mean, look at blogging. Had its heyday, kind of died out because social media has come in. But a lot of people did well, and a lot of big. So if you yeah, and and then maybe going on, uh, we're going on slightly off, but maybe it's the same. If, Look at the life cycle of things, I guess is what I'm saying. But you're right. If you have a passion for something and you're doing it as your passion, then it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, there is definitely moments for things, though. Or something like that. But yes, my big FOMO is is tech. Yeah. I like like to know what's going on in the, what's, yeah, the latest gadgetry and or social media thing. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Well, I listened to this really. You'll be glad to know that I know who has the cure to FOMO. Who's that? Who's got the cure? <laughs> so there's a, this interview by a woman called Dr. Tara Brach, and she is, uh, you'll be shocked to hear she's a Buddhist. Oh, no. <laughs> you Buddhist. So unlike me to bring the Buddhist in. Um, she was on the Tim Ferriss show a couple of years ago, actually. And uh, 
So I listened to the part of her interview in which she talks about FOMO, or he asks her about FOMO. And actually, I think he introduces the concept to her, but obviously the fear that lies underneath these things is not new. And I really liked what she had to say, because one of the first things she kind of said was that the first step is just recognizing that that fear is in you. Like it, and, and, and that desire to be free from the kind of tug of that fear and that kind of yeah is if you want to be free from it just the first thing to do is actually just recognize when it's there um you know and she was talking about when she's kind of looking at her phone and and you know that 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 behavior that you get into when you're under the influence of FOMO like constantly checking your phone if it's stuff for work or you know, constantly checking Facebook if it's stuff or social or constantly texting people to see what are you doing, what are you doing, and you find yourself going out on nights that you don't want to. The first, like, it, what she said is she realizes that in those moments under the influence of the fear of missing out, she's not actually present with what's happening in her life right then. Yeah. So if her kid comes to her to talk and she's, you know, under that influence of kind of, you know, when, when someone comes to you or they're trying to talk to you and you kind of know that someone else is about to text you or a text has come in and, and your mind gets taken away, doesn't it, a little bit? And you're like, mm, I wonder what that was about. Is it important? Even if you realize that it's I mean, probably not that important, I was it takes your attention away. Yeah. I'm thinking about turning them all off because as soon as you hear it, yep. it's that urge. It's, it's yep. not important, but it's urgent because you ding, all right, what is that about? It's probably yeah. nothing, but what is it about? Yeah. You know, just a human thing, isn't it? Yeah, but then recognizing what that costs you, which is that you're not actually being present to, you know, what's happening. And in a way, I suppose my situation with my kids sometimes, although, you know, there are times when I really wish that I had more time to you know, write and, and be on social media because, you know, it's enjoyable some of the time. But actually, having little kids really forces you into the present because they're always getting up to something. So yeah. you can't be checking your phone because See, otherwise they'll like... My, my kids were pre-internet or they came in just as an yeah. internet was coming. So it was, I mean, I still had the big giant cell phone the size of my lap. Did you have the massive um, <laughs> video recorder that you sat on your yeah, shoulder? I had yeah, there that, you go. Yeah, so I, I missed out on that bit. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah, go for it. Because yeah. I, like, I was having a conversation this morning whether I was being told that I have a problem with my sort of internet thing because I sometimes am so intent... Like I didn't. I was supposed to be eating breakfast. I was starving, but I didn't pull myself away from my machine because that would be distracted with some mundane, mundane thing like eating when I was involved. What I was doing. So, um, in my instance, if I'm someone who is an internet entrepreneur and the way that I'm making connections and marketing and meeting folks is via online, and then that is my space. So almost to not be there is to be missing out in the place that you want to play so if you're and so I, I find myself in there but not because I just want to hang out and idly do something in fact whenever I'm not doing something that's related to where I'm trying to go then I'm not I online. think it's only a, I think this is the thing I think only you yeah. can say 
what's going on inside you. And there's a kind of slogan in uh, Buddhism that's, you know, look to the one judgment of yourself to, uh, you know, of yourself, of yourself. So only you know what's going on in your head. Only you know if you are being honest with yourself. Only you know if... We don't even know that most of the time. Well, but I think that we can know a little bit and we can... Tiny bit. Tiny bit. I think that well, what's, no, the, what's the saying? There's another saying about that that we're the greatest deceivers of ourselves. The, yeah, that's true. But I think that, well, <laughs> we don't you can know. sit over we there. I'm going to get practical sense. here and uh, say that there is a certain extent to which we can be, you know, fair with ourselves and say, look, right, like you ain't got what no I'm chance. saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I only you know whether you're doing something is driven by fear or not. And if you want to be there, like if I'm checking Facebook or I'm online doing stuff or I'm at a social event, only I know if I really want to be there or not. You know, and if you, re- if, and if you find, and so FOMO is only really a problem if it's a problem for you. What if we connect this back to last week's conversation now about cause and effect? So maybe you don't have a choice. <laughs> to be checking your phone. So you, and Clay whirls and off into the stratosphere. <laughs> Come back, Clay. Really Come back. <laughs> you don't know. Because your cause and effect is What would happen if the zombie apocalypse <laughs> happened and one of the zombies had FOMO? The fear of missing out on some flesh? Yeah, probably. Uh, it would be like that. Well, I put a picture of a meat tent. So... I'm going to get one of these meat tents, so if I do become a zombie, I'm prepared, man. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I'll be straight over to your house. If you check out my, my uh, Facebook, my zombie zoo Facebook, you'll see a picture of the okay. meat tent. It's awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but no, I get where you're coming from. So internally, we kind of have a view of, you know, if I'm... Look, f- fear of missing out is only a problem if you feel... F- fear and you're suffering negative consequences of that and only you know that yeah if your actions are being driven because you believe that you're somehow missing out so you know i'm I'm making this decision because i think i'm going to miss out if i don't do x then yeah then fomo is perhaps driving that behavior if you disconnect from all of that so you say well actually i don't give a heck what's going on in the rest of the world another thing that i get accused of is i'm sometimes so far in my head that i don't even recognize what's going on around me in physical space because I'm on my journeys in my head um, then yeah if if your behavior is driven by it so I mean gonna, I think like ultimately behavior is driven by fear is not good like not going to the office party because if I don't go then that person goes and they get to talk to the boss and then the boss sees them and then they get the promotion so ah, I better go and show up and be seen as being sociable, <laughs> even though I don't want to go. No. I don't want to do it, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fear of missing out, FOMO. Do I think you suffer? Do you, do you guys suffer from FOMO? You should, because you should be thinking that if I haven't listened to the Havana Cafe <laughs> sessions You're podcast, so missing out. Yeah, feel the missing fear. out. That's right. Yeah, I've got some so serious many, FOMO. So many uh So make sure you subscribe questions. to it in iTunes or whatever your uh, podcast reader is so that you don't have to worry about FOMO because you'll get it directly onto your phone. It'll be there as soon as it's published. <laughs> and, our, and our problems are solved. Oh, Absolutely. Thank goodness. Thank you for that. 
Awesome. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I think it's time to call it. I like sitting across from you with a. Put my shades with, on. Yeah, your, your shades on. Get another coffee and. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my shades on. You can tell cool. me about all your new. You'll have to get a picture of this ideas. and we'll post this up for the um, listeners to see me in my shade. You as do we're look recording. good. Yes. Okay. See okay. you later, everybody. All right. Bye. This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode. Um, If you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.